Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Good morning. Making sure this mic is working okay. Um, Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that you'd open the Word of God to the people of God, that we might be transformed this season of Lent and the rest of our lives, and ask it in Jesus' name. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths, says the psalmist. Lead me forth in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and you has been my hope all the day long. This morning, we have changed seasons. Um, I think that's probably pretty obvious by now. Um, That in our liturgical calendar, um, we've passed from the season of Epiphany, which was that season of light that we were celebrating, and we've moved into this season of Lent. And the church has given us this gift of this calendar that centers not on passing fads or the cares of this world, but on the mighty acts and enduring blessings of God. The actual transition into Lent, of course, began last Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. And during that service, we were invited to the observance of what the church calls a a Holy Lent. And it enumerates a couple of uh, ways in which we can do that, by by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. And during this year's Lenten season, we're going to explore these five spiritual disciplines that the church has invited us to observe. Our life groups will focus on them, as well as the children who are going out right now to learn a bit more. Um, You know, I I don't know, I, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I think in my own life when I was their age, nobody ever taught us about fasting. That was never a a Sunday school class. Mom, I had a Sunday school class on fasting this morning. Your children will come home having had a class on fasting this morning. And in case there's any doubt, we're not just looking at them. You know, observe could mean, you know, let's just, yeah, we'll just, yeah, let's look at those. Yeah, I like those. That's nice at a distance. No, no, no. We're learning how to make them an active part of our spiritual lives. And this morning we do. We begin with fasting. And our gospel reading, um, and our gospel readings all through this season and throughout the rest of this liturgical year actually will be taken from the Gospel of Mark. So in this case this morning, we get a pretty truncated, brief, quick, you know, Mark does frequently say immediately this, immediately that. He doesn't want to waste any time explaining anything. And so he just moves at rapid pace. And so this morning, he does the same thing. He says, the Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Well, that's pretty much just the facts, if you will, as far as what goes on. And so we all, I think we all, but just in case you don't, I think we all know kind of what the image of what took place in those 40 days. But the other two gospel authors, um, Luke and Matthew, they, they give us a, big, a fuller maybe. They help uh, explain it. So let me just read those couple of passages quickly. We're in Luke chapter 4. 
So then Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Gives a different flavor to it, does it? Fills it out a bit. Likewise, Matthew writes, Again, chapter 4 as well, he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He was hungry. It is then on this first Sunday in Lent, each year, we recall Jesus being led by the Spirit after his baptism into the wilderness. I always am caught by that to think about it. He's baptized, empowered with the Holy Spirit, sent to do ministry, and the first place he goes is battle with the devil. The first place he goes. Why are we surprised that that's any different in our own experience? That the first place we're going to battle is the devil. The first place we're going to fade in. Most often it's those temptations that we face on, but Matthew and Luke both have told us clearly that during those 40 days that Jesus fasted, and that it ended with him being hungry. And it's from this that the church calls us to include spiritual, one of our spiritual disciplines, fasting. Fasting. Now, I suspect many of you are aware of what is, I think, a relatively current trend in dieting known as intermittent fasting. So to some extent, there is an awareness of the practice. Though clearly, intermittent fasting's goal is weight loss, not spiritual growth. Still, fasting is a bit foreign um, to many. Uh, you know, in our, in our culture, we have so much excess. The thought of any kind of fasting is really foreign to us. And like, like it's like bad almost because we're so prosperous, so successful. You know, people who come to visit from other countries walk through an American grocery store with just eyes bulging because of the variety and the choices and the options that are available to us to eat, to have food. But for us this morning, we're thinking about this notion of intentionally choosing to fast. Now, our church calendar um, officially recognizes two specific days for fasting, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. But it also adds the weekdays of Lent and every Friday of the year outside the 12 days of Christmas or the great days, 50 days of Easter. So the church has pro, uh, encouraged us in this discipline, even if maybe we haven't heard much about it. I note here also that it reminds us, fasting, in addition to reduced consumption, normally also includes prayer and self-examination and acts of mercy. You see, fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. It's not just, just a weight loss um, option. One thing, just while we're on that food thing, fasting is abstinence from all or some foods or drinks for a set period of time. You see, at the conclusion of 40 days, Jesus was hungry, hungry. So we're talking about food and some time of period without it. Now, I know the custom of giving up something for Lent is frequently maligned, but this small act of fasting has been a part of my family's spiritual practice all of my life. Another custom observed by some is to not eat before receiving communion on Sunday. Because you see, that practice gives us a glimpse of the deeper meaning of fasting. Because in this small act, we're showing Jesus we love him 
more than food. Now, as I shared at the beginning, fasting is one of the specific ways the prayer book encourages us to grow spiritually. So there is a rich Anglican tradition of fasting. Sadly, as I've suggested um, in my experience, it's not widely taught or practiced. I grew up in a church that had a very early Wednesday, Ash Wednesday morning service. It was designed so that men and women could get to work and that kids could get to school. So it was really early. And I, and I remember to this day how we'd get there, we'd get ashes, we'd hear the, the call to a holy Lent, we'd get ashes on our forehead, we'd, all, we'd hear about fasting, and then in the announcements, well, for everyone this morning, we have pastries and delicacies over in the parish hall this morning for you. And I always found myself thinking, wait a minute, did we just fast from there to there? Was that, was that the time frame that it was? Likewise, the practice of fasting is frequently criticized as a form of works righteousness. So let me address that quickly. In no way am I suggesting or teaching that fasting is a way for you to gain God's favor or his grace. He won't love you more because you fasted. I think the bishop highlighted he loves you unconditionally. So fasting is not one of the conditions required for God to love you. And as you'll see, we're not simply encouraging the willpower to not eat or go without food for a period of time, because, again, that's not what fasting's really about. Personally, I've actually found it sort of the other way around. It's in my fasting that I've come closer and to love the Lord more. It's not changing his heart. It's changing my heart by my fasting. So what is fasting? Throughout Scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And the list of biblical persons who have fasted is a veritable who's who. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul, and of course Jesus. As one author puts it, fasting is a periodic and sometimes decisive declaration that we would rather feast at God's table in the kingdom of heaven and feed on the delicacies of this world. In short, fasting is a hunger for God. In fasting, we're saying something deeper and very important about our appetites. St. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, what controls us becomes our God, and what we hunger for, that is what we worship. It's in chapter 3 of Philippians, speaking to those who were not living a life for Christ and whose destiny, he said, was for destruction. He says their God is their stomach. And I, I like how the message translation, Eugene Peterson's, translate those verses for us. He says, stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course, heading for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. Their appetites dictates the direction of their lives. How true is that of us? how our appetites drive us. And the remedy is for us to have a deeper hunger for God. Yet what we also know to be true is that we 
tend to try to get satisfied with those other things. And to some extent, because we filled ourselves with the food of this world, we find ourselves at times with very little hunger for God. So it's in fasting that we deny our physical appetite of food so we might express an even greater appetite for God. And fasting reveals a lot about ourselves. When we fast, we discover how important eating really is. It shows us just how we use food as a way to deal with feelings, emotions, stress, anxiety, instead of to satisfy hunger. Truthfully, fasting can reveal the things that control us. When we fast, we confirm a dependence on him. We begin to more fully understand what he meant when he said, I am the bread of life. Richard Foster, writing in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, says how quickly we crave things we don't need until we're enslaved by them. Our human cravings and desires are like a river that tends to overflow its banks. Fasting surrenders those cravings to God's control. On Ash Wednesday, our gospel was from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus directly addressed the question of fasting. He said, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces with their fasting and may, <clears throat> may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Did you hear it? When you fast. When you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He assumes his disciples will be fasting. His concern is how and why they would be fasting. Not like the hypocrites. Not for some external show of spirituality. Because fasting is meant to draw us closer to him. In the most extensive passage, really, in all of Scripture, dealing with fasting, <clears throat> Isaiah 58, those who've been religiously fasting asked, why have we fasted and you've not seen it? And through Isaiah, the Lord replies, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Is that what you call a fast? Asked the Lord. You see, in their case, fasting has simply become a show, a shallow, ritualistic practice. And Isaiah goes to the deeper issues of caring for other people, for the works of mercy, for, caring, for looking out for the brothers and sisters. He, he calls us to a fast that's even greater than simply not eating. Talking of a change of our lives and how we treat the world around us. The prophet Zechariah challenged 70 years of religious fasting, asking, was it really for me that you fasted? See, they're getting to the core of what the motivation is. It's in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus tells the parable of the two men who went to pray, and the Pharisee said, I fast twice a week. Which for the Pharisees at that time, this was become a regular practice for them. And oh, oh, by the way, on Mondays and Thursdays, those were market days, and those were the days they fasted. Lots of people at the market, we're fasting all about me. Wrong motive completely. Where would we be seen by their fasting? So we don't promote fasting as a way to work your way into heaven. 
We don't fast just to show others how spiritually superior we are. So let me highlight, though, three reasons why we would fast. First, fasting strengthens our prayers. If you will, it's like supercharging the prayers. Donald Whitney writes, Fasting hoists the sails of the soul in hopes of experiencing the gracious wind of God's Spirit. I'm sure you'll remember in the book of Esther, when she's called to go before the king on behalf of her people, she calls the people to a three-day fast. Esther faced a huge challenge. She was called to do something incredibly bold. And they knew, she knew, that she needed their strengthening and the Holy Spirit's strengthening. And she called on the people to fast for the strengthening. So fasting strengthens our prayers. Second, fasting helps us in seeking God's guidance for our lives. As I said, Mark just tells the facts, but we know that following his baptism, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, battling the temptations, all in preparation for his mission and ministry. It's in a time of prayer and fasting that we can seek the Lord's guidance in our lives for the decisions that we're facing. So fasting helps us seek the guidance for our lives. And finally, fasting is a way to humble yourself before God. You recall the prophet Joel, when calling people to fast, says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Yet again, we see the purpose of a fast is an internal spiritual issue. It's a way to humble ourselves before God, to acknowledge our deep need and dependence on Him for every aspect of our lives. So fasting strengthens our prayers, helps in seeking guidance, and it's a way to humble ourselves before the Lord. So then how can we respond to the Lenten invitation to fast? Let me close with a couple of helpful, hopefully, suggestions. For there are a number of different kinds of fasts found in Scripture, from a normal, if you will, fast of abstaining from all food, not drink, for a period of time, to a partial fast with a limitation of food, but maybe not all food, like with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, where they just gave up um, all the fancy delicacies and ate vegetables, just not the king's rich food. Or there is an absolute fast with no food or water, but those are generally for a much shorter period of time. And I assure you um, that it was not pre-planned, <clears throat> but I know the Lord's timing is always perfect. This week, um, as you've no doubt heard from the bishop, um, he sent out an e-news, which I was thinking about. This will move over here to that, uh, not advertisement, but uh, interim rector role. If you're not signed up to the diocesan e-news, would you like Carrie know so that you can get all that sort of stuff that's going out? That would be really helpful. So back over here. I got that e-news, um, and in it, it reminded us that the practice of fasting is training that seeks to shift our attention away from the attempt to fulfill our own, our needs, and towards a humble dependence upon God for everything we need and more. And as you heard, he has called the diocese to pray and fast as we seek the Lord's will throughout Lent. And the whole diocese is committing to a time of prayer and fasting on Thursdays in Lent. And the diocese will send out notifications on Thursdays to prompt us to fast and pray and the key concerns. And I want to enumerate those. He picked one, but I'll enumerate all of them for you. The first is God's protection and provision for the bishop as he travels quite a bit in this season. The second is development of mission and ministry design teams. 
The third is the election of a new archbishop for the province in June. The fourth is a rector search for apostles. The fifth is church planning and residency development. The sixth, the development of Hispanic mysteries. And seventh, churches discerning participation to be a part of our diocesan family. Now, you didn't miss it, right? Because he said it, and I've now repeated it. The entire diocese is going to be called to pray and fast for us. For us, as we look for a new rector. Again, the bishop suggested you might fast after breakfast and lunch the following day, eating a light meal if necessary, or you might fast after dinner through the night and the morning, eating a light meal at dinner. There are countless ways to practice the discipline of fasting. The point is to find a way that helps you and all of us develop a habit of dependence on God. So again this morning, as we move into the season of Lent, I invite you to the observance of a holy Lent, and this morning by fasting. Let's pray. Lord, please forgive us for craving food more than you. Forgive us for craving anything more than you. Lord, redirect our hunger. Open our hearts to you like never before. Give us the desire to turn to you with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind, and with all our strength. May we no longer live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, O Lord. Teach us to fast so that we might hold fast to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.